Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. everyone. Welcome back. We have the host of Diet Starts Tomorrow, which is a Betches podcast here today, but they are new hosts. If you remember a couple years ago, we had the former hosts on. Now it's been turned over to Emily and Remy. I kind of adore that your names rhyme a little bit. So welcome, Remily, welcome to like the show. To call Remily. Oh, I love that. Remily in Paris. <laughs> Remily in podcast. Welcome. I'm so excited to sit down with you all. I remember when I did Diet Starts Tomorrow I, like a couple years ago, I had so yeah. many unanswered questions about what Diet Starts Tomorrow was all about. Yeah. Is this another form of diet culture? What is uh-huh. the whole thing? And I learned so much about sort of that space in between where we're still, we admit that we have thoughts, we have struggles, we need to laugh about it, but we also can call out the crap that goes on in the industry. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your experience. You took it over in the end of October. I kind of love to hear you know, I remember when I talked to the girls before and they they really shared a lot of their own personal experiences going into hosting this podcast. And this is all new for you all. So I'd love to hear sort of your experience thus far having some of these conversations. Yeah. yeah well, I love, thank I love you. what you said about like, you're wondering like what this podcast is mm. even, because I think a lot of the listeners who have been on the journey since the beginning probably feel the same way because it started out as people struggling with their body in a way of, I need to be smaller. I need to be smaller. How do I get smaller? Here are some tricks on how to get smaller. Here are some tips. Here are some other people that want to get smaller and stuff. Mm. And then along the way, Sammy and Aileen, our old hosts kind of started to realize, oh, wait, what we need to change is not our bodies. It's our like thinking about our bodies and we, Mm. they started to unlearn a bunch of diet culture stuff. And so Emily and I came in and we took over late October and we went through the same exact journey of like most of our lives. We were trying to diet, always saying diet starts tomorrow, diet starts tomorrow. And now we've kind of turned it into like diet starts never Mm. like not like, Oh, every diet is so bad, but it's like, 
kind of trying to be like, how do you just love yourself where you're at? And we still care about healthy living. We still Mm -hmm. care about exercise or whatever, but it's, it's gone from, I need to work out every day to like pat yourself on the back when you do work out and like, don't get down on yourself when you don't. Yeah. And Emily, what about you? Like, how has it been for you sort of like uncovering some of these, I don't know, the deep seated things of how, I don't even know what the word is. Diet is, diet is a word that doesn't necessarily mean what we have now all had it be conditioned to mean. Diet is essentially what you eat in a day and how you, how you live. Like Mm -hmm. some people are on diets for very specific reasons, medical reasons in order to, I have essentially allergies. So if you were to take what I would eat in a day, that is quote unquote a a diet, diet. but it is not a diet aimed towards a conditioning of a body towards beauty standards as Mm -hmm. we sort of are in learning, Mm -hmm. but this whole, the language, everything, it's so layered. So I'd sort of love to hear your experience coming into this as well. Totally. And what you said about the word diet is so true. We've just completely morphed that word into something else and we've turned it into kind of a nasty word in a way. And I'm Mm. always, you know, very staunchly I'm anti-diet. I will never go on a diet again, but you're so right. There's a variety of reasons why somebody else might go on a diet. And I never pass judgment on those people because, Mm -mm. you know, People have health problems and we're not always aware of them. But I also think of that about the word healthy. We think that healthy means one thing, but actually it means something different to every specific person. Because Mm. let's say I have celiac disease. What's healthy Mm. for me is not going to be healthy for you. So that's something that I've become pretty educated about the past few years is like, we can't use these blanket terms to really mean anything because health is so individual and so specific. And that's why I I can't get down with the diet trends because different things just work for different people. So it has been a little bit difficult to strike that balance between we're not promoting diet culture at all, but at the same time, it's up to you to make your own decisions about your health. And Mm -hmm. we really stress that to the listeners is like, you do you and you, you you know, decide what is healthy for you based on your own observation of your body and talking to your doctor. But then, like you said, at the same time, we are being humorous about it. And we are kind of poking fun at the fact that diet culture is so pushed upon us as like something that everybody has to do and in one specific way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, I think it uncovers so many layers within this conversation that I've seen happening a lot online where people who work within like body acceptance or anti-diet are also being sort of told that you also can't pursue weight loss or you can't do this or you can't For do sure. that because there's now this moral boundary to it. And I think that's really hard because we're losing body autonomy while also in the, in the conversations around mm. this, this is where I default to people who really have done a lot of that work, whether they're dietitians or whether they're fat activists. There's a lot of people, same, another word, like you said, the word diet has been so like, it was, it's such a bad word. And yet same with fat, like fat is something we all inherently have in some more or less. I'll tell you what I'm struggling with though. And that's the, the healthy monitoring because healthy really doesn't have an appearance. And why are we so stuck on whether or not someone is healthy. It's, it's fascinating to me that we care so deeply and, and in even knowing like someone can be thin, athletic, 
doing everything quote unquote right and still drop dead of a heart attack. And we would mm-hmm. never, but if, if somebody who is in a larger body did that, we would say, well, like, look at their, look at their body, look at their health. And we start to do this body monitoring and we've literally taken the big pieces of health, which are mental health, emotional health, all of those things that need to be working in order for physical health to even be present, let alone get a shot. And we're like, wait, you don't look the way that I perceive healthy to look like. Therefore, you are failing in the health thing. And I therefore give you less worth in this world. So whenever I see even I've had to I've had to sort of like bring it back, like even when I'm talking about myself, I'm like, well, regardless of how I look, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. What if I wasn't the healthiest I've ever been? Does that would mean you still that, like, be okay with yourself? Would I still, but like, would I still be of worth? Am I still oh, totally. lovable? Yeah. Am I still, I, I mean, my lowest point in health was actually during my pregnancy. I've been really open about that. Ooh. And that's been really hard to be like, but people didn't care because it was like, as long as I was carrying a healthy child, even uh, though I physically, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally was like off the rails, not okay. I still was pregnant successfully and therefore nobody really, it wasn't, I don't know. I guess I'm just maybe projecting a little bit there, but I, I think this we all do huge issue. these conversations, like, because everybody has every literal body has gone through this kind of like health shaming. Like we had a, an episode we did recently about like media and yeah. what bodies look like in media. And Emily brought up a really good point that she was like, if I only watched movies and TV and I lived on a desert island, I would only think that like really one body type existed. Oh, yeah. It's welcome you know? to the 90s and the 2000s. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, not just one actually, but like you would think that there is a very, very small window where people fall into. And if yes. they didn't, if they were bigger than that or smaller than that, people health shame with people that are too small as well or, or you know, in their eyes because of what the media has made seem, quote unquote, healthy. There's only one quote unquote healthy body type. Mm. And that does a disservice because bodies look so, so, so different and health looks different at every weight. And it always pisses me off specifically when people will shame people on the internet for what they look like being unhealthy, Mm. but then they won't shit on them smoking cigarettes or like doing other things that like we've grown up being like, oh, that's patently. Unha-. Not that you should shame people. I haven't shamed people for smoking cigarettes. No, you shouldn't like shame anybody. That's six years thing. old on the street. I would go, <laughs> ew, you're, sm-, yeah. you know, but like, that's a child, you know, like yeah. once you're like yeah. grown up, don't shame anybody for their choices or their health because you don't really know what's going on. What's Are you their doctor? On. Yeah. Yeah. And even doctors, I mean, their education is very different nowadays. I'm really grateful that I have a really good doctor for this, but this is such a, this is where nuance comes in, right? We have weight loss drugs that are out Mm -hmm. there being widely promoted. They're being used. And simultaneously, we have no idea what the future holds. I hold no opinion to what other people are going to do about that. I just don't. It's not my business. It's, It's not in my, I don't know, I don't know, integrity, I guess, to just, I think it's okay to speculate. I think it's human nature to speculate, but I also think like it's genuinely not our business. I think it would be our business if they were, you know, selling a fitness program and using one of these weight loss drugs. But the reality is, and I was having this conversation with is, you know, I have friends who have gone through cancer treatments and they've gained weight, right? Mm -hmm. They've gained weight because they're on cancer treatments, but when given the opportunity to lose weight, even at the risk of health, 
you don't really know what what would you choose? And the reality is a lot of people would still choose what they know is unhealthy for their body at the quote unquote reward of losing weight. I'm not saying that these drugs are inherently bad. I don't have to know. I'm not a doctor. All I'm saying is that we have a lot of unanswered questions and yeah. there is a, even regardless diets all the way, all the way throughout the centuries and everything they've done, all the body conditioning things, all the different pills and stuff that have been out there, even fitness, extreme forms of fitness have been, you know, marketed as healthy. And the reality yeah. is if somebody said to you, there's a chance that this is actually going to risk your health, but you will lose weight. People still are like, yeah, well, I'm, a, is, I'm is okay that with not that. All plastic surgery. Like I have had two nose jobs. Yeah. Two. Count them. Now I can't breathe. Oh, Isn't wow. it strange that I got surgeries to look better, but within those surgeries, either my my septum was deviated or nobody noticed the actual mm. like health part of it. Yeah, you know? that is so so crazy. By the it's way, it's so crazy. But um, it's again, the rhinoplasty good... may have deviated your septum. It might have deviated it, or they just didn't notice. And either way, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so we're down to like put our bodies through quote unquote fixing for mm. aesthetics, but then we are left worse off a lot of time. You know, yeah, I mean, this physically. is a big conversation with the I'm breast implant illness. Now, you know, yeah. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's so well, bad. I think about this all the time when people, you know, get breast implants and everyone, you know, immediately jumps on on how how unrealistic that is and how much they're projecting this and da 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 da. And I always take the stance of, okay, now we're very aware that breast implant illness is like a one in three shot. Could you imagine? So even like yours, yeah, as from from what I've read, it is. It's a it's a pretty high percentage, but. Like, imagine for you, you go and get a nose job and people are like, seriously, like, don't you think you're buying into like beauty standards and doing all of that? And then on top of that, you now oh, deal with a DB. Like what? But then <laughs> you're dealing with like shame on top yeah. of shame. And I think that we're in. And I, I think we can all now. look around. Yeah. Well, I think we can all look around and be honest about the fact that we've all entertained the idea of having or what it would be like to have something lipoed out of us or something fixed or oh, something. Yes. T- I've had my lips injected and now I look back and I'm like, eh, I didn't really need to do that. But I'm glad I made the decision because it was my decision to make. Totally. And I'm allowed to reverse on that. I can't imagine if I had, you know, gotten a tummy tuck or breast implants and, you know, later regret it. And I also have to deal with everyone telling me what a shit human I was for making those decisions for my body. So it's no, like, this is where that line is so nuanced. Surgery. Like, and I do, there are some days that I'm like, hell yes, I'm so happy I have this nose job. Mm. I just do think it's interesting that medical professionals weren't trying to keep the breathing. <laughs> yeah, why wasn't that priority? That's maybe you know, a priority. You know, the breathing thing. The breathing thing, the thing that the nose does. So will no, you have it, to get another one to fix it? Or I would you? I, I would He's like, thought about it. I thought, I, yeah, I, we were going to delay us taking over the podcast because I was like, bro, I can't breathe. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just learned how to do it through, through my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> She's a mouth breather now. Yeah, it's not <laughs> No, but I, I relate to that so much for years and years. I, I am a, a tall, broad woman and I have very small boobs. Mm-hmm. And um, for years and years and years, I wanted big cartoonish looking boobs. Yeah. And I told myself when I made enough money that I would go to a good doctor and I would get that boob job. And it's Mm -hmm. so weird ever since I turned 30, 
not only do I not care, I actually love the fact that I'm small chested. So my thing about plastic surgery is I'm always urging people not to get it too young, Mm. just because I've had that experience of really wanting things and thinking that it would fix me. And then years later, I actually have the opposite opinion and I I am so grateful that I didn't. Yeah. And that's not going to happen to everybody, but I do think like everyone deserves bodily autonomy, but like for your own mental health, maybe delay that and do the work on yourself first. Like the internal, the mental, mm, the emotional yeah. before changing something about your physical appearance. Because a lot of people do that as like a way to slap a bandaid on not feeling good about yourself. Yes. I mean, and it I, just and never I, works. my first nose job was at 17 and people were urging me wait longer, wait longer, wait longer. I thought I knew better or whatever. And like, whatever that's on me. And also like, I don't, too much regret it, but it did start this like kind of thing of, okay, well, the first one wasn't perfect. So we'll get another one. And then Mm. I was trying to focus on what's the next thing I can cut off or change or whatever, when really what I need to change is my brain and my thinking and like do a little more therapy and haven't had anything chopped since the second nose, but, um, and I think that's the same sort of conversation that we're already having where we can't perceive somebody's mental state or mental health when they're making decisions. So I guess for me, it's like, same. With, I got married at 19. There were people who were like, probably you should wait. But I went through with it. And I'm so mm. glad that people who questioned it were still there for me because when it totally. fell apart, I needed that. Like yeah. I needed people yeah. not to tell me like, you probably shouldn't have done that at 19. So I feel like we're in this interesting time where people are are openly on weight loss drugs in front of us. They are openly getting plastic surgery and we have no idea if they're in a great mental state and or mm-hmm. in a poor one. Mm-hmm. But I think collectively, it's a great opportunity to be like, hey, I'm here for you. Like, how are you feeling? I have a friend who just went through a massive plastic surgery and I've just been checking up on her. Is it a mm-hmm. decision I would make for myself? No, but that has none of my, like, that's none of her business. What I would do for myself, it is my business to make sure that I'm being a friend and a fellow woman who's like, hey, we go totally. through a lot with our bodies and it's really hard to make decisions for yourself as is, let alone with all the projections of everyone on top of that. It is hard. I got Botox years ago mm-hmm. for aesthetic reasons, right? And then I stopped because I was like, eh, kind of like, I, I like to have a little bit more animation in my face and, but I have debilitating <laughs> migraines. And yeah. so I started getting yeah. it done last year and it's been effing amazing. Like it's been, mm. I haven't had a migraine. I have it more targeted and, but everyone's like, but your forehead's also smooth. I'm like, well, because I have to get it, I have to get it in my temples. I like literally ask them, please leave as much motion as possible, but it is a byproduct. But I can openly say I made that decision out of insecurity and Mm. now I'm making it out of health, but the Mm -hmm. decision was the same. So this is where we can't really take this one answer and then decide what the question was that was asked, right? Like what is feel better now that you're deciding for health about it? I, I feel better answering the question when people are like, do you get Botox? And I'm like, I get Botox for migraines because there's this standard put on us that we actually don't own our bodies, especially like for me, it's been really important for me to talk about diet culture because diets have really damaged me my entire life. My relationship Mm -hmm. with my body has been a huge one, but I, if I'm going to be honest and people will call me out for this, 
our faces are like another layer that I guess I haven't battled as much, but as I'm getting older, it's Mm -hmm. definitely, I remember in my thirties, what I was actually suffering with was malnutrition. And I was highly wrinkled because my, I was lacking nutrition. And so Botox really pacified some of that rapid aging I was experiencing through dieting. On top of that, I also didn't hate it. And I know people like you want to have like such a clear answer, but you're so into body acceptance. Why can't you do the face acceptance? And I'm like, I just haven't gone down that road yet. And I also love wearing makeup every day and I'm okay with that. I think we have to just like, everyone's on this race to perfect. We're on this Mm -hmm. race to the perfect person online and the perfect influencer and the perfect Mm -hmm. everything. And it's like, I kind of dance in the middle where I'm like, all right, I still need to make the wrong decisions sometimes. And I still need to make decisions through what I'm going through. The last time I got my lips done was in a moment of anger because I felt everybody was telling me how, how I should be. And it was like, Mm. uh, fuck everyone. I want to do something that I decide that is for me. And I went and got done and I was like, that was a a little rage fit that you just did. And you really (laughs) didn't need that. And, and I came down from it and I was like, okay, we're good. We're fine. Everything's good. But it, the layers of shame when women already struggle so much about what to do with their bodies and themselves. And I see this a lot with people who are true fat activists is like, they're also being told what they can and cannot do in terms of, you know, if they use a face filter, like, why are you okay with the fat on your body, but you're using a filter on your face. We start to like, well, if you're going to say this, then we need to you to be like that. And I think that's, what's really hard is we're asking for perfection. And I think what I've always appreciated about diet starts tomorrow, the podcast and the Instagram page, it it gives us opportunity to sort of like, what about that bit in between? What about the imperfect parts? What about about the parts that we're still figuring out the nuance, the, the conversations that we're having right now, we're like, I've made decisions in both arenas that have been, you know, out of I've, I've worked same with fitness. I have done exercise truly out of hate from my body. And I have done exercise and fitness out of love and respect from my body. Same conclusion, different different reason, right? And so it it really does all come down to this tailored thing of, can we look and judge health, wellness, or anything or anybody's decisions that they're making for themselves based on the optics or the projections that we might potentially make? But I guess I'm really interested to hear, since you have started the podcast, what have been sort of like those groundbreaking moments for you in some of the interviews that you've done that have really changed your perspective on stuff? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, that was a lot. And I love that it. was a lot. We, I went on a morning <laughs> rampage. I'm I, so sorry. I know it's fine. I really relate to what you said about this pressure to be perfect. And it's mm. not even necessarily pressure that other people always put on us, but that's one common thing that I've found when interviewing mainly women. I do think men experience this to some degree, but I I think it's really a women's issue is that we feel like we need to be perfect. And whether you work in entertainment or you don't, I think that is a really a common thing. Especially because, oh, sorry. I was just sorry. Especially because if you are, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't like in this field, or if you are a lawyer or anything, if you wear makeup to work, you're asking for it, or you're looking for validation through your looks, or you're trying to get up in a higher rank because like of your looks or whatever. And if you don't wear makeup, like you're making a statement or, you know what I mean? Like it can never, you can't ever just be, 
And mm-hmm. I've had moments where I've looked at people podcasting before or whatever, very recently, you know, like we're still unlearning our stuff and I'll be like, oh, couldn't you have done your hair that day? And I have to slap myself <laughs> on the wrist and be like, what are you doing? Like, what is the point of like judging somebody else on a day that they don't feel like doing your hair or judging somebody on a day that they feel like doing full glam, you know? Totally. Like, uh, and, and for me, it's, it's still more with women. I still pass more judgment totally. on women and because I have to check myself. In a patriarchy. Yes. Of course. Of course. And it's, I have a lot of internalized misogyny yes, and we do. I'm trying to undo that, you know, mm-hmm. as an adult, but it was really ingrained in me yeah. that when I'm on the subway and I see, you know, a rougher looking dude, I never think he has to put on makeup. But sometimes I'll see a girl and I'll think, oh, you're cute, but like you could use some makeup, you know, and I'm, I'm much, much better about passing those kind of judgments now, but it really is so ingrained in me. And it's Uh an ugly part of me that I don't like. I even pass judgment on my past self. That I'll oh, be like, oh, of yeah. course you do. Have so, you ever read your you old Facebook statuses? Of course well, you must. that too, but I'll just be like, oh, you were so cute then. <laughs> couldn't you have just put on a little lip gloss and a dress? You know, like, mm. couldn't you have just girled it up a little more? And it's like, no, because then I honestly wouldn't have an accurate representation of what I looked like at that time. Yeah, I think it, it really, every time we peel back that onion as far as it'll go, it is oftentimes for the male gaze and the women mm-hmm. who are upholding that. We always want to make it about the guys, but I'll be honest, I have been a creator for a long time. I've shown a lot of my body on the internet. Mm-hmm. And when men make comments, I'm always like, guys. But when the women yeah. do and they're upholding it, and that's when it's hard. And that's yeah. when it's almost the worst. And that's where I'm really like, and I have to be better. I used to be such a judgmental person. I think it's really a beautiful thing to be a a hypocrite of yourself over time and evolve away from those things. But also remember what that was like. There's this quote. I don't know who owns it. It was it was a Twitter one, but it said, being a woman is hard as fuck. No boobs. Dang, grow some boobs. Mm -hmm. Cover yourself. You're so Mm -hmm. vulgar. No booty. Everyone will laugh at you for it. Booty. Well, you better cover yourself because you don't want to draw attention to that booty. Short, you need to wear heels. Tall, dang. You can't be taller than your man. Also, never wear heels. Skinny, gotta gain some weight because nobody likes a bony woman. Chubby, gotta lose weight because nobody likes a fat woman. You like makeup? Heck no. No makeup? Please take care of yourself. Don't be so lazy. We women are constantly shamed for everything, so we might as well do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Every time I read Um, that, I'm like, it is so true because every my friend who just got plastic surgery I'll say she's probably the most inspiring person I've seen on the internet lately because I know she's catching shit every single day and yet Mm -hmm. she shows up and she's like I'm happy with this decision this is what I chose for myself and I didn't choose it for other parts of my body but I chose it for this one and I'm really happy I did it and I'm like God, that's so hard. It is so hard to be authentic to yourself and the decisions that you make and how you move in this world. And even if you 10 years down the line are like, man, I wish I hadn't done that, that you get to show up and just choose in this moment what Mm -hmm. you decided to do. I think it's... What a beautiful I want to call it brave, yeah. but I mean, no, I hate that, that it is. that is a beautiful thing. And that's like radical self-acceptance that we yeah. all strive for. Self-acceptance and, you know, to the Britney choices Spears too. Once said, I'm Mrs. B- she's too big. Now she's too thin. Yes. You want, yes. a, you want a piece of me. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> no matter what you are, people are always going to say something. And, and the thing is, some- is, the reason why that exists is because of the system that we live in. The goal of any system is not just for the oppressor to keep oppressing the oppressed. It's to make the oppressed oppress 
each other. Yeah, we're so, doing the work for them. When that's women, a huge point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whole when retweet. we do that to each other, that was the point because then people can't say it's oh, it's not the patriarchy. It's you guys doing this to each other. It's like no, they've sicked us against each other so that their hands are clean. I mean, even yeah, they're not, they're not they're even still in busy. the comments upholding like whatever. Yeah, but, but that's like in their spare time. Let's be yeah, real. We're yeah. doing it as a full time job. Yes. yes. And yes. we think about it constantly. And when we're thinking about health and wellness and stuff, and you're saying, oh, you can't look at somebody and know how healthy they are. Wonder how many hours a day are they thinking about their face, their body, whether they deserve food like that is unhealthy. That is mentally Absolutely. unhealthy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, Remy and I experience um, to a degree like certain judgments from from certain people because we host this podcast and because we are both conventionally mm. thin women. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you might be able to relate to, Sarah, because I grew up quite heavy. Mm-hmm. And until I was 20, I was always yo-yoing, but always in that, you know, quote, overweight range. Mm-hmm. And people would uh, much like you were saying, actually, people would say, you know, you have such a pretty face. And I would think mm-hmm. that was a slight against my body. And then in my adulthood, I lost a lot of weight. I did suffer from disordered eating and that was a whole journey. But then I eventually came out the other side and embraced intuitive eating. And I've been the healthiest I've ever been. But now I will sometimes get criticism for talking about fat acceptance or talking mm. about health at every size mm. or even talking about intuitive eating comments like, oh, well, it must be so easy for you or straight up. We don't want to hear your opinion because you're a thin woman. Because I think it's easier through the world. Yeah. 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 If you I can go into a easier. store and shop, I think it's yeah. easier. However, Absolutely. one thing I've learned is that you guys you guys have microphones. There was a woman who actually called me out years ago for this exact reason was the fact that I was talking about body acceptance while being in an acceptable body size, even though I was talking about stretch marks and things like this was a fair call out. We immediately Mm -hmm. like three days later, after I decided not to throw up for three days, I, you know, in pure shock and panic over being called out online, we had an open podcast conversation about it. And she said like the, the reality is you're being more listened to than people who exist in fat bodies. A billion percent. Right. And so her thing was just pass the mic. She created a movement called pass the mic. And it was all about you have a voice. All of us have a voice. But if we make this a problem for only people in larger bodies, that's not fair either. That's not there. Mm-hmm. We should be. But like I had the, a conversation with a friend who is in a wheelchair and she was like, I just wish that when people didn't see a ramp that they would be like, hey, do you have a ramp available if somebody's in a wheelchair or if when you see the wheelchair like door button not work that you are the one that goes and tells somebody before mm-hmm. they're the ones that come in. So when you're shopping somewhere and you don't see size inclusivity, even though you are of a smaller size that you go and raise the question, Hey, are you going to be expanding sizes? Because I would love to come shop here with my friends, or I'd like to continue to support you while seeing, you know, other people be supported in their shopping situations as well. It is incredibly layered. And I think what's important, what I have learned is not to speak for anybody, but to continue to give opportunity for others to speak, amplify their voices while doing the work and learning yourself. You can be of a beauty standard moving through this world, white, thin, privileged, whatever. And then on top of that, be able to 
be real be about ally. the fact that, yeah, like be an ally, but like really an active one. And it doesn't have to be showy. It doesn't have to be like that. Like, I can't even tell you how many like times I just like DM a brand and I'm like, hey, like they, they'll ask to work with me. And I'm like, okay, when you have size inclusivity, like let's have that conversation. And and that's just an easy way to like be an ally. Like just think beyond yourself because as you probably experienced, shopping in a larger size is one of the most difficult things. Horrific. And if you can't shop, then you can't represent yourself the same way in the workplace. You're not given the same opportunities in this world. You can't clothe your body. Like, let's be real. It is, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a huge devastation, but I think it's also incredibly important to acknowledge that we We do see- look a certain way and things come easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason we fear fat, the reason thin women fear gaining weight is because we see how fat people are are treated in this society. We see that they go in with a common cold and they're sent home told to lose weight. We see that the seats don't fit for them on an airplane. We see that the clothes aren't available for them. No wonder we're terrified because we see an active society that is catered towards um, you know, keeping us away from fatness and, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, ostracizing those who exist in fat bodies. We don't, it, it, it's not even a health conversation. They'd love to make it a health conversation. They'd love for it to be about that. The reality is people exist in larger bodies for a wide range of reasons from genetics to health issues to otherwise valid or not, quote unquote, or not. But to some do they not do, do they not deserve this? Do, but you yeah, know? exactly. Some people are loving their life in fat bodies and they still deserve to like, sit in a chair. Like I remember I was shopping for chairs in my dining room and that one had arms on it. And one woman wrote me and she was like, as a fat person, if I came to your house, I'd be panicked because I know I can't sit in that seat. And I was like, thank you for saying that. It's been a minute since I've been in a fat body. You forget so easily what Mm. it is to move through a world that is just constantly reminding you of yourself. Also people with sensory issues, like get those fucking things away from me. It's but just I, I awareness, you, right? Like follow yeah. fat creators, like the, listen to yeah. their stories. Yeah. And you're so right about that. Of- you, oh, I'm sorry, Remy. <laughs> it's hard not to talk over each other on these Zoom interviews. I know. Okay. I have to share with you a very, very simple way to help your digestion, to up your fiber something that's high in potassium, high in vitamins, a good source of iron, and you can find it at your grocery store. I'm talking about California prunes. California prunes are truly an under-the-radar dried fruit superfood that are richly packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals to support heart and bone health, as well as containing fiber to maintain good gut health, which I really love and need. California prunes are extremely versatile. This is why I love them because they can be used as a snack or as an ingredient in your favorite sweet or savory dishes. California prunes are superior dried fruit for taste, quality, and texture. You can easily fill your pantry with prunes and enjoy them whole, diced, pureed. They're perfect to elevate any dish with proteins and grains. Add on salads and cereals, that's my favorite way, and in sauces and baked goods. Their sweet, earthy tastes make them perfect for simmering in sauces with your perfect proteins, adding sweetness to salads, cereals, and smoothies, or, and this one is so fun, you can actually create a prune puree and use it as a substitute for butter and sugar in baking. Isn't that so cool? California prunes are good for lowering cholesterol and regulating blood sugar levels. Prunes from California are moist, chewy, sticky, and delicious with a sweet, earthy taste. 
So look for prunes that say product of USA or product of California to find premium quality prunes. This I think is amazing because they're really an accessible way to grab something, add it into your already amazing lifestyle to elevate it, to get that fiber up, to ease that digestion, to root for your bone and heart health. I think it's absolutely amazing and something that I sort of had to be reminded of myself that prunes are pretty freaking awesome. So they were added into my grocery cart this week. I hope they are in yours too. And if you're looking for ways to integrate prunes into your life, You can go find information, recipe, and nutritional facts at www.californiaprunes.ca. Let's get back to the show. When our cats are healthy, they're happy, and that makes us happy. But we're not mind readers. We don't always know when they're healthy, right? So helping know when your cat's healthy is one key reason why we use Pretty Litter. But let me tell you a little bit more because a few months ago, I saw Pretty Litter show up to our doorstep and I had no idea why my husband switched. And I asked curiously, hey, what is this? And my husband is the caretaker of our cats and he was really excited and went down this whole description as to why it was so amazing. So let me tell you a little bit about it. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odors instantly, so there's no more cat bathroom smell. That's number one. Number two, Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. I can attest to this. Plus the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can. And then there's the really, really cool and amazing thing about Pretty Litter. It changes color to help detect early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, which one of our cats really struggles with. Pretty Litter ships for free to our door in a small lightweight bag. We never have to run out of it. We never have a huge container of litter taking up space and stinking up our place. So Pretty Litter is helping us keep our cats healthy and keeping odors down and messes. So we want to share with you. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash papaya to save 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash papaya to save 20%. One more time, that's prettylitter.com slash papaya. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. You're so right about that, that you do forget also, like you forget to, for example, I interviewed somebody a few years ago about seatbelt extenders and about car safety and making sure your fat friends feel welcome and safe in your car. And I had never even thought to have a seatbelt extender in my car, even though I have fat friends, Mm. never thought about it. But that is something that really everybody should have. Mm-hmm. And yet there's so many things that we just don't even consider because we don't have that experience. Yeah. But why not? Like, why not make the world a more accessible place for everybody? What's the mm-hmm. harm in doing that? Mm-hmm. 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 It, that's, that's exactly it. It's so important to, to, to like interview people of every different size, you know, from every different background. Cause then like, we really can like learn and stuff. And of course, like if we don't know something, 
like you want to be educated by somebody else. But again, like you want to support that person because if only the people who need the thing are speaking up about the thing, people can always be like, well, they're just saying it because they're selfish. They're just Mm. saying they want the ramp because they need the ramp. Mm. But if other people are advocating- (laughs) How dare they? Well, yeah, like, but you can always make it, oh, this selfish justification. But if other people are saying, no, like this needs to be a thing for other people. And then they think, oh, what? well, why would they say that? Oh, empathy? How strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it makes it more of a real thing. Like when men talk about women's issues and they say, yes, women really are going through a lot of stuff. You know, I'll never be like, don't say that. I'm like, thanks for <laughs> understanding. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. so true. That's yeah. so true. You would appreciate or not even appreciate, you would expect a man to be an ally. So I think yeah. like the would same not goes for it. a man needs to but be, a man becomes an ally by listening to women. And I think the exactly. same thing is you exactly. become an ally by listening and amplifying and having conversations with fat folks or people in different abled bodies to yeah. know what their needs are. We, and that's not to like make everybody feel like shit about themselves. We all just only think about ourselves. That's how we inherently are. It's like a survival skill. We have our heads yeah. down in our phones now mm-hmm. and we're thinking about ourselves all the time. But once you learn new information, it becomes part of your thought process. Like I'll be honest, I never thought about the buttons on the wheelchair things before until my friend said it. And now I'm like, I've, every time it happens now, I'm like, okay, where's the customer service desk? I just got to do this real fast. And it's such a simple, or like you just tell the person at the front of the desk, like that you walked in that restaurant, like, oh, Hey, by the way, just before somebody who might need it, like that's not working, but that was never part of my thought process before. But this is why, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we just kind of got to like, Hey, reminder, we have huge blinders on to our singular experience in this world. It's very easy to just like move through it, forgetting that everybody else has a different one. Yeah. And if you have a problem with not being selfish, like if you need to think of it from a selfish mindset or whatever, fine. Imagine Mm -hmm. one day you were born or you wake up in a body that is different than your own. Is Mm -hmm. the world still fair for you? Mm. Yeah. Probably not. You know, like believe in reincarnation. What if you, what if you're born into another life that's different? Like, did, did you yourself try to make things more fair for yourself in this new life. Well, there's this uh, documentary, Deconstructing Karen, and it talks all about, you know, white privilege. And mm-hmm. it was done from a, a table of people who are white liberal women who really think mm-hmm. they've got it all right. And then they have these conversations. And at the table, they ask this one question, how many of you, raise your hand if you would ever trade your place with a black person. Sure. And everyone keeps their hands down. And it's like, that's the moment because you know. Because they know how you black know. people are treated and Yeah. Like you can say that in the same, I wouldn't say the same, but in similar ways as people who we are like, oh, like they have, you know, equal rights to us and everything, but would you trade places with them? No, because you know how much harder it is for them. So it it is a collective. I think it's really great to acknowledge your privilege though. Like I really appreciate that you're, you know, said, you know, we've been challenged for this Mm because I'm glad that you have been because it just also gives opportunity and a way for, that conversation to happen. Like, yeah, I'm a thin person. I'm getting a lot of advantages in this world based on my skin color, based on my size, based on, you know, where I live. And I want to make sure that I'm learning more about being better. And how can I do that? Well, I mean, 
I don't think the answer is to never talk about it. I don't think the answer is Mm -mm. you're right. I am thin. I'm never going to have these conversations. That's not right either. We can't, we have to live in a world that is, you know, allowing of, of change and of, I, I kind of am like this whenever there's somebody, unless they're like hateful, whenever somebody is like, just one way. And you're like, damn, I I just need hope in the world that everybody has the opportunity to change because I know that's what I needed. I was, you know, a very pro weight loss, pro all the disordered things. And I projected that very openly. And I had to make the changes and I had to be wrong and I had to be willing to be wrong for a minute. Right. And I think that Mm -hmm. we're so afraid of being wrong that a lot of people are getting quieter and quieter and quieter on issues yeah. that really impact a, a lot of people. We are th- three thin people sitting here and saying mm-hmm. the world is not fair for fat folks. And we're struggling with our body image. And a lot of that stems from that. A lot of that stems from our desire for the male gaze mm-hmm. coupled with the acknowledgement of how we know fat folks are treated in society. And we want to be a part of being better. We want to be a part of the conversations that maybe click for one other person that maybe somebody else doesn't have to experience things. Maybe the next generation doesn't, you know, hear the word fat and immediately like have this internal battle happen with them. Cause it took me over a year to be able to say the word without it having like a negative, yeah. am I allowed to say that type yeah. of thing? Right. It, it takes time for us to like nice unlearn what we've learned. That connotation for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that you can say it in a way that you're not saying it. It doesn't have a moral thing no. assigned to it or anything. It's just like, that's what it is. It's that it's in it's medium. You know, it's a word. It has nothing to do with a feeling. Yeah. And I think right. the same about diet, right? Like hopefully, hopefully yes. I do think it's you're a little right. bit dangerous. Diet that is we, just, it's just what you eat. It's become disordered, but it is but just what we eat. Restrictive and yeah. Yeah. Diet Coke. Yeah, Diet Coke. But, you know, I mean, something that you have done (laughs) that I have found really inspiring um, is to show like loose and extra skin. That's Mm. something that we don't really talk about. Like there is, of course, more representation and more size inclusivity now than there was in, let's say, the 90s. Yeah. But a lot of the representation that we're seeing on a large scale are people with very similar proportions to what yes. we think is attractive generally. So like yeah. people like Ashley Graham, like, you yeah. know, Ashley Graham, uh, it's like broke you a just lot pulled of boundaries. the corner of an image and made it a little bigger. Yeah. You know, yes, it's yeah. not exactly. different sizes. It's just a little bigger, but the same proportions. Totally. And, and that's not, you know, not all plus size people are perfectly curvy and have tiny waists and big boobs yeah. and a big butt. And it's, I mean, that's lovely that that's what she looks like, but some of us are very straight up and down and, mm-hmm. and don't have curves like that. Or pear shaped or apple shaped. I mean, it's all yeah. over the board, right? Mm-hmm. And that was something that I honestly didn't see very much of is, mm-hmm. you know, people who had changes in their weight and subsequently had loose skin and I have it because I yo-yoed throughout my entire life. So I have a lot, you know, loose skin in certain places on my body. And I never really see that. I feel like it's either hidden or it's Photoshopped. So it's I tucked would in just, leggings. Let's be real. Everyone's got that tucked in that leggings. So true. That's what we're doing. That's yes, all. That and is it? it yeah. It, and I'll be honest, like I always, I think back when I was losing weight, just had it in my head that I eventually get a tummy tuck, but then came to terms with the reality that my mental health 
was so catered to being perfectionist that if I had done that surgery, two things, Mm -hmm. I got pregnant again. So that would have been, you know, not great, but two, it would have been potentially just, I think, I I think I just would have moved the target. I think I would have taken it from this one area and I would have moved it somewhere else. What's next? And I became aware of that. I became Mm -hmm. aware of that's what I would have done. And I made the decision not to. And I never in a million years would have thought that I would now just look in the mirror and be like, that's just such a matter of fact, even though there's some days where I'm like, because like pants don't fit me the same way or dresses always Mm -hmm. like really show it. For the most part, my baseline is like, yeah, it makes sense. Like that's just what happens when you go through things. But I I'm 38. Of course, I have a different perspective now than I did at 25 or at 30 everything changes with time. And as we learn and the exposure to other people who have that as well. So I've made the decision not to do anything. I was offered multiple free tummy tucks and I was like, yeah, I'm not. And that's the other thing too. Wow. wow, You are so strong. (laughs) Well, I, this is kind of serious. This is part of the internet that I feel it would be hard. Well, there's a lot of people who are taking a lot of free shit online and yeah. they don't see that. So you think it's like their choice, but it's also a plastic surgeon in their DM being like, hey, I can fix that for you. Oh, you're because so I know right. they do. I know they do. They've done it with me. They followed. They would comment on all my posts. They would be like, oh, you're so inspiring. And in the DMs, they'd be like, if you ever want this, like we'll provide it for you. And that's that's a really difficult reality where I was like, I, this doesn't feel like my decision. I need to, I need it to be my decision. I yeah. never got there. I have other people who got there and they had, it was a really like for some, it was a, actually like a health decision, um, like rashing or whatever. And like, again, it was not my body and not my business, but I do feel like I'm glad in a way that I have this thing that means so little to me now, but can allow other people to see it and be like, oh, this is, this is a normal thing to happen after a fluctuation in weight. Why am I holding myself off intimately from my partner or from wearing a bathing suit or from taking the picture or from doing that thing with my Mm -hmm. kids? Because regardless of all the conversation of where we are with our bodies, decisions we made between plastic surgery, diets, all of that stuff, take where we are in this exact moment and we don't get this back. And that's the part that I'm like, that's where we need to continue the focus. That's my goal is I... I can accept my body right now all day long. However, my body's going to be different tomorrow. It's going to be different the day after that. It's going to be really different three years from now and 10 years from now. So I don't want to stick myself into a singular moment. I want to come to a place of respect, not like love and adoration, but just respect. I respect what my body is doing. I respect Mm -hmm. how it's carried me through life. And I want to continue to show up in respect for that while respecting everybody else and their choices too. And I think that that's because the goal should be that we show up. The goal is that we get to live our lives. The goal is that we do things while we have the shot to do them. Not that we wait until because the whole, you know, joke, diet starts tomorrow. Why are we even dieting in the first place? Why because tomorrow? we have a vacation coming up. Yeah. Because we think we need to, in order for our partners to stay with us. Because we feel like people treat us differently. Because we're very acknowledging of the world and how it treats people differently when they're of dis- different sizes. But at the end of the day, you have today. So how do you show up today in the body that you're in right now with the respect that you can hold? And, and I think respect is a really great word because at the end of the day, like our, our bodies are fighting for us. And I think that we get really fucked up in our heads about being against our bodies. Like it, it seems like this 
battle. It's like you against your body. But in the end of the day, this thing has like literally carried you your whole life. It has carried you through every fucked up thing you've done to it, through every restriction you've given it to every, and it's like literally carrying you through life. And we have the audacity to be like, you didn't do it the way I wanted you to. And we become so separated from ourselves. That's why I always think like, when it comes to going, people going and finding themselves, I think we all inherently just come home to ourselves. I think that's truly what it's all about. And I think if you want to reckon with the conversations you're having with your body, you have to look at society and then you have to look at who you inherently are and how you can show up and honor and respect that. That's how I feel. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Preach. And eliminate that outer gaze whether it's Mm -hmm. the male gaze or societal gaze or whatever like social media gaze social media gaze when we were talking about loose skin the first thing that I thought of was a friend of mine was shitting on this girl who had lost a lot of weight and he's like yeah but now her skin is so flabby Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. and that that is the first thing I think of after all of these conversations I've had after you know like how is that the one in my brain? And I have to just, you know, push yeah. it out and yeah. remind myself, one, that man is not attracted to women. Yeah. You know, they're also conditioned to oppress. They've been told what to be attracted to. Yeah. Well, but no, no, no. But they're not even attracted. He's not attracted oh. to women. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Like he's just upholding a certain beauty stereotype because yeah. that's what the media said or whatever. And it's like, why have I been, I have been afraid at different points in my life to lose weight because I mm. thought about what he said about loose skin. Mm. And it's like, that man is never going to be attracted to you. You wouldn't want that. It has nothing to do with you. If he would, or if he did, like, can you still be attracted to you? Mm-hmm. That needs to be the number one thing. I yeah. feel like if we didn't know what any of this stuff was, we wouldn't judge it on our bodies. Like Ever. I no. I went to fat yeah. camp when I was 10. I did oh. not know what stretch marks were until yeah, I, I got know. to fat camp. Yeah. And when I got to fat, fat camp, kids would sing this song. And it was like, we're fat. We know it. Our stretch marks, they show it. And I didn't know what stretch marks <laughs> were. And I asked this girl in my bunk, I was like, hey, I like don't, I don't get the song. What's yeah. what's a stretch mark? Yeah. And she kind of like pointed out some marks on her thighs. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like when you gain weight and you get these marks. I think she said, you know, you get these ugly marks on your skin because that's what everybody thought. And then after that, I started to notice, oh, I do have them too. Literally did not notice my stretch even... marks until they were pointed out as exactly. well. Exactly. I never mm. would have fixated on them. I never, and I think about that all the time. Like if yes. we just never said shit, if, yeah. if we just never said this shit to each other, we would feel so much better Things about ourselves. Things might be okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. just still in shock you went to fat camp. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. That's oh, a yeah. whole Emily's other episode. Journ is a journ. Yeah. It's a journ. It's a journ. Yeah. You can hear all yeah. about it on DST. <laughs> Actually, I, but this is a fun fact. I went to fat camp and I didn't even know that it was a fat camp until I yeah. got there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so hard. And you know, what's even harder is like, everyone always starts the conversations with their bodies about but my mother and like your parents obviously would have aligned to that, but your parents probably thought they were doing a really good job based on what they learned and what they were told and what was like the right thing to do as a parent. Like it would be wrong of you to, it's like a moral failure and a parental failure to have a child who is, you know, overweight. And so your, your obligation is to do the right thing, quote unquote. 
And like, that makes me so sad because I'm like, our mothers were so conditioned to like, there's a reason we remember our mothers with slim fast in one hand and almonds in another. I heard this, I heard the title the other day. There's like almond moms are like, oh, my mom was an almond mom. And I was like, oh, wow. That's like a whole term. I was an almond mom for a bit. Would mail her an envelope of five almonds every day when we were in college. Are you joking? The almondiest the almond, almond mom, mom I've Wait, ever that's ins- heard. The, I, I'm not yes. going to say the word insane, but no. that is horrible. That's, horrible. That's, that's a mother very stuck in her own disorder. Like that's yeah. what's so sad. Oh, yeah. I could yeah, talk well, to you I, I all do, day long about this. I remember my mom saying to me that like, what, what, and this was when I was quite large. Mm-hmm. She said to me that she thought when people looked at me, they would think she was a bad mother. Mm. And that really, I mean, initially it hurt me, Mm -hmm. but after going through therapy and stuff, I've realized, wow, that, that says so much more about how she was feeling at the time. And like that she really, really did think that that's what she needed to do for me. And I have so much empathy for my mom. I'm sorry. I said, sounds like somebody was a bit of an insecure. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. No, but, but, you know, I have so much empathy for her. I I was Mm -hmm. angry for so many Mm -hmm. years that that's how my weight was, was handled. And that just because I hated my body for so long, I thought there was something intrinsically wrong with me. But then after going through therapy and really becoming educated about this stuff and understanding where my parents came from and how they were raised, I can have so much more empathy for them knowing that they thought they were doing the right thing. And just knowing that when I have kids, I won't be doing that. Mm, Yeah, I think I think if we were to recap this episode, it is so much around empathy, support and learning like genuinely it is because if we want to break cycles and we want to for ourselves, for the next generation, I think it really comes down to really a whole shit ton of empathy, a lot of not my body, not my business and just supporting each other through this very messy reality that is ownership of a body that is moving through a world that will pressure you a million times a day to look a certain way with it. I appreciate you both so much. This was such an honest fucking raw conversation. I'm sure you do a lot of this on your podcast. Kind of give it a little bit of a plug and let everyone know where they can find you. Absolutely. Well, you can listen to the podcast. It's called Diet Starts Tomorrow. And you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also follow us on social media, Diet Starts Tomorrow. Thank you both so, so, so much. I hope you all have a great rest of the week. And for everyone listening, I'll have the show notes for you and we will see you next week as well. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, pink papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, pink papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at pink papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. 
well, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.